The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Uh, today is Giraffe Nick Mark of YouTube. Uh, Mark Luino, I believe I pronounced that right. Actually, I meant to ask beforehand. No, Got you actually it. did did really well. Most people can't get that last name. The U, the I, it's a little weird, but you nailed it. Really good job, oh, man. Um, well, first, uh, before we go into everything, I wanted you to get a chance to talk to uh, everybody and tell them what you do. Uh, it's more than just a YouTube channel as well. So really tell everybody all the cool things you're doing on the internet. Yeah, um, I got a podcast where I talk about the Mets uh, after every single series called the Mets Up Podcast. Obviously, my YouTube channel, Giraffe Neck Mark. Uh, I've been playing MLB The Show as well on YouTube and Twitch, Giraffe Neck Gaming. I'm all over the place, but really, uh, everything has to do with baseball. Giraffe Neck Mark, if you find me anywhere on social media under that name, you'll be able to find all the things that I do. And and the thing that you didn't mention, well, there's two things. One, you do that with James Ciano, uh, yes. a staffer. What a guy. Uh, I love him dearly. Um, help me out with the like the the weekly list articles I've been doing with these giant tables, everything like that. I'm really good at wiffle ball too. Uh, he killed it in the, the <laughs> meetup. Um, but yeah, you do that podcast and that podcast with him. Um, also, you didn't mention, of course, that you have I believe 200,000 uh, YouTube subscribers. So if you're wondering, oh, this is just some guy doing YouTube stuff. No, this is the guy doing YouTube stuff. So it's really an honor to have you today. And I, I was really lucky that I got to meet you in person at the, uh, the pitchless meetup, uh, at a city field, I almost called it Mets field. My God. Oh, uh, I know. I know what's wrong with me today. Uh, that was awesome. I mean, you just put out on Twitter that you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to the Mets game. It was here. Um, and, it, and how often do you find yourself just like meeting all these different people because of that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much like every game I go to, there's somebody that recognizes me or at least like is aware of who I am. Um, It it happens pretty often at baseball games. It also happens like randomly just in my normal life. I think the funniest story, which happened like the other night was we're walking around New York City in Manhattan around Midtown. We're walking to a bar. I don't know. I just saw these two guys standing online at like a hot dog stand and my friends were staying behind them. So I just started like waving and the guy was like, yo, what's up, Mark? I was like, I'm sorry, you know me? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't talking to you, but okay, sure. So, like, weird stuff like that happens all the time. It's crazy. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, I've had I've had one person approach me at a bar, and that was that was whew. oh oh my god, I still can't believe that actually happened. I uh, now you also mentioned before that you do YouTube and Twitch. Um, you know what? I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting here. I want to start at the beginning. I have so many questions. This is what we're going to do today, guys, because because Mark has an incredible perspective about the you know the digital world of creating videos right now, especially in the baseball world. And uh, there there's so many different um, avenues people can go with it. Uh, it takes a lot to be able to do that. So I, I do want to get into, but first I want to go more into you. I uh, you're from the New York City area, correct? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Westfield, New Jersey, so about an hour outside of New York. Nice. Okay. And did you, you know, were you always a baseball fan? Was there something else that Mark was chasing when he was yes. nine years old? <laughs> no, I mean, baseball is like the first memories that I have really like either watching a game with my dad or playing with a ball or going to a Mets game. That's always been my thing. Baseball has always been the number one sport, always consumed my brain. I mean, even from the time I was young, like naming every player on the Mets, that was something like I took pride in. So that annoying little kid that could tell you everybody on the of Mets course. and why you were wrong when I was five. So Yeah, baseball's always been my thing. I was mostly focused on playing it, though, when I was younger. Only recently has it become more of, you know, 
the everyday talking about what's going on in the league more detailed right. than actually playing. Were you a uh, shortstop? That's what I'm going with here. Uh, so I was actually a catcher. Catcher was my oh, main nice. position. Um, that was, I was Mike Piazza guy. So Mike Piazza, 31, every chance I could get, I wanted to catch. And while I didn't end my baseball career catching, um, that was definitely the position that I loved the most. I played the most throughout my, you know, life. And that was what I would classify myself as. Well, your knees are thanking you that you didn't go farther. Uh, yes. (laughs) But seriously, I mean, catchers are the most underappreciated position. I, uh, my God, uh, good job for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, there's nothing quite like a good catcher too. that really like what they're supposed to be is your rock. The, you're the one you're alone on this hill in the middle of this field with everybody watching. And the catcher is the one that says, Hey, you're going to be all right. Just focus on me and guiding you through it. And if you don't have a good catcher, Oh no. It, it, it is terrible. So, so I'm sure they were all lucky having you, Mark, behind the, the dish, helping them oh, get yeah. through it. Oh, man. oh, definitely. It was like having another coach <laughs> out there. They loved it. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, through I, uh, so you go off to college then, and uh, what what did you study? What were you focused on? Was it were you even dabbing or dabbling with uh, media content at that point? Yeah, my college experience is super. I, I don't want to say common. So I went to University of South Carolina. Um, didn't play any baseball, obviously not that good. Um, and I just, my shoulder gave out my senior year of high school. So can't really even throw a baseball anymore. But when I went to school at South Carolina, I was originally a business major. Um, and that ended very quickly because I actually started my own business in the FIFA world and that was doing really well. So I decided I was going to focus on that instead of going to class. And I basically got, you know, F's, D's, C's, my grades were not great. To the point where I eventually got kicked out of the business school, still doing my own, you know, company thing. And that was doing very well. Like I was, I made a conscious effort that I was going to focus on that over school. Um, once that ended, I started, came into the content world a little bit, just dabble with some baseball stuff here and there on YouTube, more so MLB the show, because there was no real baseball, like community on YouTube just yet for yeah, real sure. baseball. It was super hard with the copyright um, issues oh, and it just, right. Yeah it hadn't really built into anything yet. So I saw MLB the show as a way for me to get an audience of people who like baseball. And hopefully one day I can turn it into them actually caring about what I have to say in terms of like major league baseball, not just the right. video game. Um, so that that's kind of how I got started into this world and then became an advertising major, which is also definitely built into what I do now, which is really useful. And uh, that's, that's pretty much my college journey. A little bit of my own business stuff, a little bit of, starting to get into the world of YouTube. And then by the end of my senior year, luckily that's when everything took off and I didn't actually have to go get a real job. I could start doing YouTube full time. <laughs> there you go. And when was that? Uh, wow. When did I graduate college? 2019. So I would say like the third or fourth week of April of 2019. So I mean, a week or two before I was about to graduate, I had my first video hit like a hundred K like mm-hmm. kind of within like a three or four day range. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I, I think I might've figured something out here. And luckily I was able to repeat that. And that's when I started growing, getting significant views. And I was like, this, this is something I can actually do like full time. Absolutely, man. So what was that video then? That video was the best player for every Jersey number in major league baseball. So oh, I literally just cool. went through every single number and told you who I thought was the best player. <laughs> now I did forget some people. Um, I forgot my boy, Francisco Lindor. I just completely ignored that. He was the number I was 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. I still don't even remember what he was wearing, but I missed that one. And then I think I missed Kershaw too, which was, it was so bad, but it's because <laughs> the list I was looking at didn't have injured players. So it had the guys oh, who had played that season thus uh, so far those guys hadn't played, so I missed them. Oh, that's rough. I uh, so this isn't. I uh, this is currently playing, not not all time. Yes, this is currently playing. Yeah, all time. That one's coming. That one takes a little bit longer yeah, to that's, make. I mean, that's, that's been really hard. Yeah, that's been a couple years in the making. Oh, that's awesome. And of course, we all know who thirty one's going to be. Yeah, Mike Piazza all day. Of course, not not. A, I, I tried to make up another one, but I can't. I can't possibly think of someone that wears thirty one. I think the only so. other thirty one I could think of was like Whitey Ford. I think wore thirty one. Oh, but. that's way better than Piazza. Are you no, kidding me? No, Piazza, please come on. Best hitting catcher of all time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so okay, so this is this is really interesting. So you, uh, I, I want to go back to, to you talking about FIFA because this is something that is completely changed since I was in college and being brought up and everything. I mean, you know, boomer parents, okay, you have to go to college. This is what you do. You go and get 
uh, X, Y, and Z, and uh, that's the only way that you can possibly get a job in the real world. Nowadays, so different. So different. So much so that here you were making money doing FIFA stuff, and... You know, I don't know if you you say like if you're saying that's the right thing to do, wrong thing. It sounds like it was the right thing because it gave you experience to be able to do what you're doing now. It was certainly risky, uh, but yeah, you said, look, this college education. The purpose of this is for me to you know be set off and have a career, and I already have one right now. And I uh, that's it, it's those kind of opportunities just did not exist um, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. You know, <laughs> way past then, of course. I. What like what exactly were you doing with FIFA? And um, I mean, was it did it feel like just like a college kid? Like whatever, I'm not going to do classes because I got this fun thing. Or did it actually be like, no, 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 I've I've really mapped this out and it's in my best interest to do this. You know, it was a pretty crazy ride. Um, I actually started off my first YouTube videos that I really made seriously were like for the game of FIFA, which doesn't make any sense because I I wasn't a soccer kid. I didn't right. really like watching it. I fell in love with the sport through the game of FIFA and through watching other YouTubers who made Mm. FIFA videos. So I made a bunch of friends, you know, over like in England and, you know, over in Europe through playing FIFA. And then I came up with this idea, which was to recreate the packs that are on FIFA ultimate team, um, but do it on my own website and sell them myself. And I started that right before I went to college, like the summer I did, did some like good numbers and stuff. And I went to college and decided, you know what, I'm going to take a month off, I'm going to enjoy my college experience, see how it goes. October comes along and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's try it again. Let's see what happens. And it just went crazy. It went nuts. Um, you know, I was lucky enough that it was successful where I could pay for college doing it um, and then have money to go out and enjoy myself as well, create all these other opportunities. But I was creating FIFA packs on my website that people would then buy from me instead of buying it from the game. So, and, so hold on. So I want to understand this. Uh, yeah. You are acquiring these cards uh, yourself. So then you then are then packaging them inside of these loot packs, essentially. Sort of. Um, that's how it started. And then because I was doing so well with that, FIFA actually took out the option for me to trade. Well, not for me, for everybody. Uh, the trade feature was taken out of FIFA Ultimate Team, so you could no longer trade cards to your friends or to anybody. Um, and that used to be something you were able to do. Uh Thank you to me for taking that out of the game. <laughs> That's my cool stamp on FIFA is that there's no trade offers because of me. But um, the way that I did it after that was I would create the value of the card based on what they were going for on the market. So if a card was going for a million uh, coins and you got you know Ronaldo in your pack you would get a million coins because that's how much it would cost for you to buy him. And that's what I would transfer to your account. So that's how we ended up doing it. Gotcha. Oh man, wow, what a... What a what an amazing market of just like hey they've created something so successful that people can have these sub markets of selling inside of it as well. Uh, that's when you know FIFA Ultimate is just absurdly running or just like swimming in in money. Yeah, I wasn't even a fraction of it, and yeah. it was like whoa! Like I think I fully understand why they put so much money in advertising and everything into this because it's it's crazy how much people will spend on that game. That's nuts. Okay, so you did that for, I mean, it sounds like you did for like a year or two. Is that right? Yeah, um, they made it really tough going into my junior year. Um, I did it for about three years, but only about two of them was like legit worth it. And then as that third one came around, uh, it's just, it wasn't worth my time anymore. And it just kind of ended up dying, but I was more than happy with what happened. So, okay. So you're doing this and obviously you have this website, but you're promoting it through any sort of content you're creating on top of it. Right. And is that, so that's when you started getting into YouTube itself. So I actually wasn't promoting it a lot myself um, because of the friends and people that I knew through the FIFA community. I was paying them to promote it on their videos oh, and through okay. through their channels and stuff. So it wasn't necessarily any of my promotion because at the time I was like I had 5000 subs on YouTube as a FIFA YouTuber. People knew me as the pack market guy. They didn't know me as, you know, the YouTube guy just yet. And then I had the giraffe and the gaming stuff, which came along during gotcha. that same time, but not related. Gotcha. So you were giraffe pack mark at that point. Basically, yeah. I was I was all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So so then all of a sudden you have this, you have some success with great, you have some sense at least of that, that space. And I I'm just trying to understand that transition from doing that FIFA stuff to stopping and then going into MLB. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you just kind of figure out that one day, you know, everything kind of has a, a shelf life. And I knew that the FIFA stuff wasn't going to exist forever. I know that they would do anything to stop 
people making money over them. That was just how EA works. I don't blame them. They have every right to. So I, I can't get upset about that. Um, and because I was working and not going to class, I had this free time. So I started, you know, like I said, playing MLB The Show. And then eventually when the FIFA stuff died, I had enough of a following on MLB The Show and through talking baseball that I was like, okay, this will now be what I shift my focus to because I was able to have like the financial stability from the, the company where I could kind of take a risk and not worry about making money through the YouTube stuff at first, which was a really nice like cushion to have for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, so, if, okay. So you, you said the first video you made that was big was a uniform one. Uh, what was the, do you remember the very first baseball video that you made as giraffe neck Mark? Yeah. As giraffe neck Mark, I think it was either, um, talking about how the Dodgers needed to trade for Manny Machado that, uh, that year when Seager got hurt. So okay, that like, so I that think was 2018, is that right? Or 19? yeah, I think 18 or 19, whatever it was, it was like in April or May, uh, right when Seager got hurt. And I, I think like the next day I made a video saying the Dodgers need to trade for Manny Machado and I, that season, obviously they did, but I think that was the first time I really dove into like baseball and not focused on the gaming side. And then once those started getting views, I was like, Ooh, this is where we can start to make the switch here, which was always my goal. Right. Okay. So, uh, so as far as production level goes, I uh, what were what were the what was the stuff that you were using to make these back in 2018? So I actually still have the exact same camera that I use every single day. It's Canon G7X. Um, I bought this because I was going to England and I wanted to like vlog my entire experience and have like real high quality video of everything I was doing. It ended up being the camera that I still use this day. And then nice. microphone wise, I think I was using like a, a blue snowball at the time. It was it yeah. was nothing fancy at all, and that that's kind of just what made it work. It was super, I don't want to say low budget cause the stuff's not cheap, but it wasn't like this big grand production by any means. Right. Yeah. I can tell like right now you have some legit lighting going on. Yeah. We got a couple room. lights. We got a, you know, DSLR camera, a, a really nice microphone. It's definitely an upgrade now. Yeah, there we go. But right. It doesn't, you don't need to have that initially. It's nice to have of course, and makes everything better and more polished as you move forward. But I, uh, you know, I, I hear this a lot when it comes to, um, starting off, I mean, the fact that you even were doing this FIFA business and you said, hey, I'm going to spend my money by paying other people to promote it. Um, that is when we talk about uh, don't invest in the production, invest in your brand. That is what investing in your brand looks like. Uh, so so definitely take that into consideration. Anybody trying to start this stuff, there are these. Yes, you want to make a good product, but there's a lot of other things on top that isn't actually the content itself that can do wonders for you. And and back in 2018 for you, so again, I really want to get a good perspective of where you're coming in and yeah. I'm starting to create this stuff. So what what avenues did you have? Like, what was your Twitter following like? Were you streaming on Twitch? You know, how did this really get going? Yeah, so I'd been streaming on Twitch. Um, that will be the show, but that's, you know, of course, where I started again, because there just wasn't this Major League Baseball community yet on YouTube or even Twitch or Twitter. It wasn't, as tight knit or as popular yeah. as it is now, which is crazy to think about because it was only two, three years ago, but right. it was, it was significantly smaller. And I feel like people don't even understand how it's, how small it was at the time. It was really hard to figure out what I wanted to do because MLB, the show had the ceiling and the ceiling was starting to get capped because there was only so much growth you could have at the time. And to me, I just made like the executive decision of like, okay, as I see these MLB videos are starting to do well and my Twitter following does seem to care what I care, like say about baseball, there seems to be this interest in my opinion. Maybe this is the time that we start to make the shift. And then as MLB the show and my eyes started to get worse and worse, I said, you know what? <laughs> like basically like, screw it. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and we are going to take like the biggest risk I've ever done with my YouTube channel, which is abandoning the thing that I would upload every single day and get consistent views and be fine with in order to try to make it to that next level. Right. So, so you don't publish every day then? Right now, no. It's it's a little tough. I feel like sometimes um, to stay in that daily grind. My goal is to try to do twenty to twenty five videos a month. Um, mm-hmm. I just every time I do daily, I end up taking a break because I just get so burnt out. Yeah. It, it's almost too much at times. Oh man, I I I, I do a hundred and eighty days straight of the SP Roundup. That is the article I put out every day on the on the on the site. I've been doing that since two thousand fifteen. Um, and whew, I'd be lying to tell you if there weren't many moments of burnout through the season. And then I, I come back, I rally back every, every time I, uh, I mean, we have right now we're recording this on uh, the 21st. 
Uh, and I have, I think it's 12 left to write for the year, something like that. And who's counting though, right? Yeah, uh, I enjoy, but the thing is, I enjoy them. It's it's really it's it's like therapeutic to me in many ways. Uh, and I know for some, like it, it is a grind. And twenty to twenty five, just to let me let you know, that is still a grind. That is, you know, are you still like? It, it, you have to be a certain person to be able to do that. You have to believe in it so much. You have to have the motivation to do it. There's so many easy ways to procrastinate and lose your focus. Um, you have to have that energy too. Like there's, there are going to be many days when you have that energy and there are days that you don't and you still have to do it. Uh, and that, that's, whew, that's unbelievably commendable. Not to mention, I'm talking about doing this for half of the year. The other half, I, I still have things I'm doing, but I'm not writing this SP roundup every day. Are you still doing this you know, entire year, 20 to 25 videos? Yeah. Um, and then in December, I go really crazy because uh, ad rates are always the highest in December. It's just kind of how yeah. it works because of the holiday season. So I drop my 12 days of rankings, which is I rank the best player from every position on every team. And that's 12 days in a row. And then I think like the 13th day or, or the 12th day, I give you my top 50 players in Major League Baseball. So that December month is like crazy because I could be uploading anywhere from like a minimum of 25 to as high as like 40 videos in a month. Wow. So you'll sometimes, yeah, you'll do two a day often. Yeah, especially because off season, if there's a big move happening, I got to talk about it. Like they, sure. they only happen so often. So I, if that happens to fall on a day that I'm doing a ranking video, you just get two videos that day. I got to yeah. I got to bust it. There is such a temptation of to be like, yeah, whatever. I'll go into this. I mean, I have, um, I mean, for me, I like YouTube has been this, I don't want to say afterthought, but it has been not the focus. I, uh, you know, I do, uh, I, I, I write, I do the, um, the stream rankings every day, I do the list every week. Uh, and I'm doing these Twitch streams in the morning, um, which I do want to kind of get your two cents on. I, uh, but I, at the end i do a video that's essentially a breakdown of a picture for about seven minutes and it's once a day but i haven't really hit it hard um and there's a thought of like the off season i could yeah december is the is the time to do that uh there's so many different videos i would do about baseball that i'm just saying is that the is that the content I want to do? Right. And that's, that's like the really tough thing too, is I have a list of like a hundred plus video ideas that I want to make at some point. I want to touch, but then like when you get on this like day to day grind, you understand that some of these are going to take a little bit longer or to do it right. right, You want to make sure you have the proper research. in. so that's where like uploading daily for me gets super difficult because people are like, Oh, you haven't uploaded in two days. I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like I want to, but I also, my eyes like are on a different prize right now. Like I'm trying to figure out how I can make a video about how Albert Pujols is elite this year. Like I want to figure out how I can make that into a 10 minute video or you even get these, you know, video ideas where you go, but how can I title it? How can I package that where people want to watch it? Isn't it crazy though? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse that you have someone saying, Hey, you haven't uploaded in two days. That's the dream that someone is so hyper focused on you and what you do that they'll notice, hey, you haven't done this in two days. On the other side of it, there's this constant anxiety and tug of necessity. And, and uh, you know, you have to work. This is their, your, your purgatory in a way uh, of doing that. I, oh, I hear that. I don't know how, like, my body just goes in different directions. Yeah, when, I mean, like... I'm normally pretty good about it. I'm normally like, I understand people are, it's not coming from a bad place, but then like one person will just say something and it's just like, oh, you just, you made my skin crawl a little bit. Cause I'm like, <laughs> like, you don't, you don't have a clue what it's like on the back end. Like, it's not that easy. It's not, oh, you see man. 10 minutes, but it's, it's not a 10 minute process. Oh yeah. I'm sure you've gotten the four letter word before that is lazy. Yes. Uh, oh, come on. Come I'm like, on. I'm like, dude, like, listen, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I'm the hardest working person in the baseball world. I understand that. But to call me lazy just feels like this. It feels like a, you're spitting in my face. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say the stupidest thing I'll probably say on any of these podcasts. Like, no, man, you're the lazy one for using <laughs> such a word because you don't yeah. understand. OK, I'm so sorry. I apologize to everybody listening. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that's a ridiculous amount of work that you put into this. Uh, and it is interesting to hear the. um you know, it doesn't make it doesn't surprise me at all. It stinks that baseball, as far as like a baseball website goes, and like our content is like we have, 
so much come out on a daily basis uh, at Pitcherless. It's like 15 to 20 things every single day, uh, especially in April or so. Um, the problem is, is that it's April, which is, I think, the worst ad rate month of the season, of the year. Yeah, it's uh, usually pretty rough. Ah, uh, man. And, you know, December comes around and we're like, baseball, huh? And everyone says, what are you doing, Pitcherless? Why are you awake? You're supposed to be asleep for another two months. Uh, so there is this thought process of, yeah, what can I do in December to actually, you know, take more advantage of that? I mean, yes, we do have football, which is great. QB list does a great job and that's certainly helping with it. It's part of the reason we want to do swish list and we still have the domain and we were thinking about doing swishlist.net for basketball. Best pun I've ever had. <laughs> um, but, uh, one day we'll hopefully we'll do that. And uh, it, it is always in the back of my mind. Yeah, the, the question I had before that I don't want to forget is between YouTube and Twitch, I've been seeing a lot of people I uh, debate this because because essentially Twitch is the like the champion right now of live streaming, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they've been doing it for so long. They have the, the monetization built in, easiest, all that stuff. However, you have, you know, someone like Mixer shows up and everyone thinks, oh, maybe this is it, dies away. Um, you have now YouTube actually acting as a major player and there's a thought process that Twitch isn't growing fast enough. Uh, they aren't really making the changes that they need to. They've kind of like rested on their laurels and are sitting there like, ah, whatever, we'll be fine. We're Twitch. Who cares? While YouTube has so many innate resources, not only in Google, but also as a video streaming and player itself, that they are focusing more on it. And if you're jumping into something, especially someone like you that has a massive YouTube channel, if you go live, you get it to all 200K of your subscribers that you're live, uh, that Twitch isn't really the way to go. And if you're going to be investing this for the future, that it's YouTube. And I'm curious what your perspective is there. This is really, really weird that you brought up this exact you know, questioning conversation because the last two days I have been nonstop researching YouTube live streaming versus <laughs> Twitch because this is something uh, for my MLB The Show content that I've been considering because to me, while Twitch, I think it is definitely the king platform right now for live streaming, as you know, with a lot of things, you don't want to necessarily focus on the now. You want to also think about where things are going to be going in the future. And the fact that YouTube, like you said, has that the, the video content and has that discoverability that Twitch really struggles with yes, a lot of times. Um, yeah. it, I'm really starting to lean towards YouTube as the place where I want to take my live streaming because I, I like the whole, I, I, I love YouTube. Clearly that's like my number one place for me right. to begin with anyway. So I think that's where I will get, get my biggest reach. Um, but just along with the fact that there's just like a weird lack of competition right now and a weird, like true lack of people live streaming on the platform that are making legitimate quality content. Um, as well as I, I feel like the future, that's, that's where it's going to be. YouTube's just going to have more money than Twitch and they're going to be able to make these big changes. And they have recently, it's, it's gotten a lot better. Um, so while it may not be better than Twitch right now, I feel like the, the path to the live streaming top is going to be through YouTube and it's just so crazy that you asked me about that because literally the last 48 <laughs> hours, I've been watching videos and reading articles and everything, trying to really get as much information on it as possible. And everything's leading to be- leading me to believe that YouTube's going to be the place to be. Right. I mean, I, I know I don't really talk about this stuff often, but like I discovered Harris Heller. And <laughs> I was watching all his videos. It. Yeah. No, how could you not? Right. Um, he's, he's really good at what he does. If you guys are interested in streaming in general and you're kind of, you're wondering what to do and what not to do. I mean, he is 100% the guy. Um, he does it under also a company called alpha gaming. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, he's really good at what he does. I respect him immensely. He also did, yeah, created stream beats and everything that I use for, uh, for the stream because I don't want to get a DMCA strike anyway. Big thing on anyway, Twitch too. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, this is where my head is at because um, I don't know. I, 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 you can speak to this really well. I uh, the MLB YouTube space uh, is. I think you know, two years ago you were saying two three years ago that it was incredibly small and that community wasn't really there. How has it changed in the past three years? Uh, obviously, there's Fuzzy and there's Foolish Baseball and John Boy, essentially. Yeah. Um, are there other guys really fighting over that space? Do you feel that um, the community has grown? What do you see here? 
Yeah, I mean, the community's definitely definitely grown. I, I, this like kind of sounds really arrogant, but like, there's like, there is kind of like this like big four, and you just named it. But there's a right. bunch of other guys that are on their way up right now that are making some really great content. Guys like Baseball doesn't exist, who kind of does that like in depth storyline based content that just goes viral every single time he uploads a video. Mm-hmm. His stuff's really good. You even see a guy like Jolly Olive who's done some really good stuff as well, and now working with John Boy, which is really cool to see. Um, Stark Raving Sports. There's a guy who used to upload stuff. I don't know where he went. I think he went to college and he stopped, but Dawson Wright, he made a bunch of really good videos too. You're starting to see more and more people, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few even, but you're starting to see more and more people creating baseball content, which is really nice to see because when I started, I mean, it literally was for a while just me and Fuzzy. And then John Boy started to like have his breakdowns and everything blow up and the media empire that he's building. And then Foolish came along and he was instantly like just everyone was like, oh, this guy makes really good stuff. But now you're starting to see more and more people join this group of like legitimate everyday. This is our job content creators, which is really, really nice to see because I feel like people think that with more competition, it means your views are going to get less. But as more and more views keep going up, that's how you get recommended and you get suggested. The community grows. It's good for everybody. That's what we want to see. Yeah, essentially, you know, you see that there's a lot of stuff there. You stick around, Yep. you know, as a user. Uh, it's just the more of it that's out there, the better. You know, Rising Tide uh, lifts all boats. Uh, we say that a lot in fantasy baseball. And I think it's honestly the, the one of the major reasons why that community is so great. Uh, obviously, there's been more turmoil in the past year or so. But still, I... Everyone kind of recognizes that, yeah, we'll all go in each other's podcasts. We'll all hang out and, and talk about each other. We're not the, um, I mean, there maybe are a couple people or, or places that are very much dog eat dog, which is just so not what we do. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's really refreshing to understand like, right, we're all just trying to in, you know be enthusiastic about it. It lifts everybody. And uh, that's cool to hear inside the baseball community. Uh, for someone that you know is trying to get into it, you know, you, what are the? I, I'm going to put this in two different groups. One of just, hey, I'm starting any YouTube channel. Um, what are the kind of some of the pitfalls that you'd avoid, and one of the th- or what are some of the things that you would make sure that you're doing? Yeah, so I think like my my biggest tip or advice to everybody that's going to start YouTube is you kind of have to get like super immersed in it. You can't really just upload videos and expect them to do well. You have to put in the research. You have to put in the work. There's a lot of backend stuff, at least in my eyes, through my experience, that has helped me get to where I am now. Like, yes, I made a couple videos that blew up and went viral, and that that helps build into the extra viewership. But those videos, didn't. I didn't just stumble upon them. In my head, at least, I did the research and saw that this video might have done well for the NBA. Let's try it for baseball, because if it can blow up for that sport, why can't it for ours? Or this is something that, I mean, I, I watch YouTube constantly, so I get some of my best ideas from watching other channels and figuring out how I can apply that to baseball. One of the big ones being tier lists. I watched it because a YouTuber by the name of iDubs, who is not family-friendly by any means, but he's one of the bigger YouTubers on the platform. He did like a president's tier list. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is something that I can do in season ranking players without actually giving like a one through 30 kind of thing. Um, If you become immersed and really make, you kind of have to be a little obsessive, I think, with it. That's when you really start to get the the itch for YouTube. And I feel like that's when you really start to want to continue to upload. And when you see the stuff do well, you understand why. And why, when it doesn't do well, you understand why. Because that's, I feel like, a big pitfall for a lot of people, too, is when a video doesn't do well, they don't know why. Um, and and that can, like, be super discouraging. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, man. I uh, So is there, um, I mean, let's just get a little bit more into the, the specifics of, uh, you know, it's how you're presenting things. So when you put out a video, there are really, I'm going to say there are three variables. I'm sure there are, like, ten, but these are the three that come to mind first. Uh, the thumbnail of it, the headline of it, and the time of it. I do you have any sort of advice for anybody putting out content of like how you would go about those? Yeah, uh, title and thumbnail, number one focus, one hundred percent. And this is going to be weird, but over the content, you have to have a killer title and thumbnail. The content is what's going to keep people in there. And like you said, that's kind of like the third leg of it is like the watch time. Watch time super important. YouTube's not going to recommend videos that people don't watch for a long period of time. You might have a killer c- click through rate. But if your watch time is 5%, YouTube goes, well, we know something's not right here. But if you package in that killer click-through rate with that extended period of watch time, 
that's when you get these videos that get, you know, not just five or 10,000 views, that 100,000, 200,000, a million. That's where you really start to be able to build that massive following and audience is because you combine the, you know, great title and thumbnail, things that people want to click based on what they see, and then they stick around and they want to watch more. Oh, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So when it, when it comes to headline, okay, all caps, one thing caps. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is where it gets really weird because I think people hear, you know, YouTube algorithm. I feel like that's the hot button word. That's what everyone likes to talk about is what's the YouTube algorithm favoriting? What is it looking for? And in my personal experience, it's constantly one, always changing. And two, you can beat it. The YouTube algorithm doesn't dictate really what video works. I feel like if you're someone who's trying to like beat the algorithm and get inside of it and use it to be like build your channel to the top, it's a lot more difficult and it's a lot more strenuous. But if you make content that like is, is again, really just eye catching, it's going to be hard for YouTube to not recommend it. There's very few videos, especially in the baseball world that I can think of that I've watched that I go, wow. This has no views. How is that possible? It seems like every time that's something that I want to watch, it ends up either getting the views or it already has them. Like it's it's very tough to go under the radar, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, so, <laughs> I not going to say what I was just thinking. Anyway, I the <laughs> the, uh, the other half of that. So that was I was kind of from the perspective of from uh, just in general YouTube and what you're creating. And when it comes to baseball stuff, uh, obviously, I mean, you're doing your thing, uh, and I'm sure you don't want to give away. So, you know, you have you say you have a hundred hundreds of different things, um, but do you see a kind of a market inside of the baseball community right now that you say, "Oh man, if I were starting off to this, probably how I would attack it." Yeah, I do. Um, I think there's kind of two different ways. One, I think if you are a former major league baseball player, you're a minor league guy. I feel like there's a huge market for guys who actually played the sport at a professional level to make content. Um, We've seen that with some, some guys who have, you know, started channels or started making content here and there. But like a really good example is a guy like Matt Antonelli, who was like a first round pick, had a cup of coffee in the majors. You wouldn't know him for his baseball playing career, but now he's built that into a YouTube channel, which he's able to talk about baseball and give that, for, you know, uh, former baseball player perspective on it. That's really nice. That's something that a lot of people want to see. If you're not a former baseball player, I think one thing that's kind of like lacking right now is just like analysis. I think one of the reasons why people love foolish baseball so much is that his videos are so deep. And so it's a really good understanding of what's going on in his topic. Um, but he also takes a lot of what's happened and talks about it more in depth where now I feel like a video, this is one that I don't mind people knowing because I probably just won't ever make it. But like, why is Cody Bellinger so bad all of a sudden? Like there's definitely something that you can dig deep into and give those numbers and package it in the right way. And that video could probably blow up because it really is, I think fascinating as to how much he's dropped off this year. It's crazy. Um, I feel like the deep analysis stuff is really what's lacking on YouTube right now. Oh, you're just you're just saying that because I'm here. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, you know you say what's wrong with Cody Bellinger? Actually, I know this is going to be this is totally wrong. I'm sure. I mean, I I, I talk about haters as cardboard cutouts. So what do I know? <laughs> um, I can't help myself. But all I can think of like when you have a guy like Cody Bellinger and you see him swing the bat. Uh, and I know I'm not supposed to talk about baseball analysis on this podcast. I don't care. I uh, you see a guy that it's a, it's a very violent long swing. And the reason he, he crushes the ball so much when he does is because uh, think of it like a giant hammer being wound up and released and you have to hit it right. But instead, you're, you know, instead you're supposed to hit and you're supposed to focus on the nail, not this massive giant arm circle to hit that nail, right? Much harder. Um, but he was a guy when he was killing it, though, he was in rhythm. I mean, he was, in, yes. he was locked in. He knew the thing. I, I compare this to throwing cross body and pitching where if it works, it's amazing. It's a high risk, high reward approach when it comes to your mechanics. So that's pitching and, and hitting. And I Jake can't Arietta. help think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Adam Adovino, right. Those are the yep. popular examples. Uh, so Freddy Peralta now is how I bring it up. And I see, uh, you know, that happens with hitting too. And Cody Bellinger got disrupted a ton. Um, so much he hasn't really had the the lengthy time to get back into. It. I mean, with that rookie year and after, he was just on a trajectory that just was kept going forward, and there was no hesitation. And all of a sudden, now it's stopped, and it's hard for him to find it again. I believe that he can get it back. Yeah, it's just uh, that's what that's where I would focus on is just like look at you know find some side angles of the mechanics of him hitting and be like this is so long. 
Yeah. This like is massive. The way I describe it is there's a great like football YouTube guy. Uh, his name's Brett Coleman. And he kind of does the content that I think baseball is missing out on, which mm-hmm. is like this super in-depth analyzing plays or analyzing swings, but in a way that's like super easy to understand and very presentable, which can also be the difficulty because as great as the idea of Cody Bellinger, why is he struggling? The title, the thumbnail, that's where you really have to kill it because if the idea is good, but people don't click it, no one's going right. to watch. Yeah, you're, you're really inspiring me to be like, Nick, create the pitching videos that you want and really do it right. I mean, right now, I'm yeah, I, I, ha, I'm going to use a four-letter word. I'm being lazy about it <laughs> because what I'm doing is I'm just thinking myself in front of a green screen and just cycling through an inning and just giving my thoughts on it. What I should do is make it into proper edited video uh, where I've watched the inning and then I'm going to talk about the inning knowing it beforehand. Ah, Mark, so (laughs) many things on my plate, but I should do this. All right, I'll figure this out. The offseason is long and full of terrors, so I'll I'll figure I'll figure out some time to get it done. Uh, The other part of this that we haven't really talked about um, that I do want to touch on a little is there's you you were saying it before, you know, you get that four letter word and you're like, oh, there's so much that goes into this. And you're talking about the actual part of filming, but you're not talking about the editing. And uh, so what did you do? Did it Was it always the same process that you have? Is there any, uh, any tips you have for people trying to jump into video editing? Yeah, so um, I hate editing. hate it so much that I now have <laughs> hired an editor to do it for me because nice. I just think my time is spent better um, than spending three or four hours on a video every single day, especially for like the mental side of it, I feel like too. Editing is exhausting in my opinion. It's very mm. tiring and I don't, I don't want to sound like privileged here, but I don't want to be tired doing my job. I, that's why I love it is because I want to talk baseball. I don't want to edit baseball. So um, I give that to somebody else to do because that's the part that I don't enjoy. I want to make sure that I still love this job. And if I feel like every single day I'm putting three or four hours plus the recording, plus the research into it, the burnout's going to be even easier for me to get back to. Um right. Stu, Mr. Beast, most popular YouTuber probably on the platform right now. He said it best. If I don't want to do something, I get someone else to do it for me. And oh, as, right. and that's not necessarily easy to do at the start. You kind of have to get through the grind, which leads back more to your question. If this is something you want, you, you just got to get over it. And that's kind of what I did was I kind of just powered through it. My edits were never the best. I would never claim to have the cleanest edits in the world. But I made sure that I knew what I was doing. I made sure I had the basics and I made sure that it was, you know, presentable. And I feel like a lot of times people get caught up in, oh, I'm just cutting clips. That's fine. That's all I did for the first two or three years was just cut clips. But that even then, like the clean cuts there is super important and something that you can focus on that won't take a lot of your energy, but it will make a difference. Well, I mean, it sounds like to me, uh, based on what you were saying before, but hey, you got them in the video. Now you got to keep them there. Uh, the edits for the first 30 seconds are the most important ones. Yeah. Am I right about that? Is there something that you do specifically in the beginning of your videos? Yeah, I make sure I'm, I'm super um, jump cut like forward. I'm a big jump cut guy. I don't like a lot of dead space. I don't like a lot of dead air. To me, any time that I'm not speaking could be time that you click off the video. So as long as I'm talking, there's a chance that you're still interested. So that's really what I focus on. And specifically in the first 30 seconds, I've gotten called out on this a few times for maybe even doing it too much. Um, zooms. I change the camera angle a little bit. I change the perception so that something's always changing in front of you or something new's coming on the screen. And then once the, you know, the clips or the the highlights start coming in, you're already comfortable and you're, you're kind of eased in there because you've been seeing all this different stuff popping up on the screen. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm even thinking like of these videos, there's always a good 30 seconds somewhere of me being stupid and laughing and having a wonderful time, which (laughs) everyone should when they watch pitching. I don't understand. You guys don't understand what's going on. And if you did, ah, it's such a wonderful time. But yeah, I'm just thinking now like, oh yeah, I should be throwing some of those things at the beginning of videos. And that should be like a hint of what's to come and it keeps you involved and all that stuff. Um, so, so when it comes to also, uh, getting an editor, uh, there's a quote I, I give all the time and I think it really puts a lot of this stuff into perspective, which is there are two types of people. Either you have more time than money or more money than time. And uh, it sounds like you're in a situation where you say, look, like I'm, I'm doing a business here. And when it comes to, you know, this, I have more money than time in this situation. So I'm willing to do that because it will help me continue to make more money. And that makes a ton of sense. I mean, that's just how every business goes. You start with one person and then you constantly figure that out. 
Um, I understand also in the beginning, like you don't have that opportunity for a lot of people. You got to grind it out. Like if you want to get this done, this is your only option for it. Uh, it also makes me think about this is constantly, and this is a, a, a very privileged statement. Um, but you know, everybody at some point should understand and internalize what their time is worth. Yep. It's different for everybody. Um, if you are taking a commute that's two hours long or you can do something that's 30 minutes instead, that's an hour and a half of your time. What is the difference between those two options? How much is that hour and a half worth in your life? And that's a really hard question to answer. And certain times there's going to be different stuff for it. Um, video editing makes that makes a ton of sense. Like you're, It's not only just the three hours that it takes for that video. It's also your energy after it uh, that you won't want to spend to something else. That's, that seems like a ton of time. Uh, that is very much worth not spending on your own. So I just uh, th- that's something I think about a lot uh, when it comes to especially investments in in your own business and what you do. And there's a, kind of a guilt almost. Oh, yeah, you're 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 like, hey, I'm I'm spending this out, you know, and uh, I feel like you don't want to do it, so you don't. You're surprised that someone else would, right? Uh, but that's just not, you know, you just got to get over that, I guess. Uh, and yeah. It's uh so when when did you finally make the decision and how did you find this person uh, to do this for you? Yeah, so shout out to my boy Jackson, um, big Blue Jays fan from Toronto. He actually reached out to me a few years ago and he would handle some videos for me just kind of on like a you know per video basis. Um, mm-hmm. where I was like, I just I'm busy today and I need to get a video out. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to pay you and you'll send it back to me. So that's how it first started off. And then as I started to, you know, make this more and more official and now I'm living in New York here in my apartment and I'm trying to go to baseball games and do all these other opportunities, I realized I just simply don't have the time to edit and do all these other things outside of the editing world that I want to do. Um, so I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like you down to be like a full time editor, like I'll, I'll pay you a salary and everything. And you're just going to every day I'm going to have a video for you in the morning. You get it done. You send it to me. It comes back. And that's just kind of how we're going to work. And luckily for me, it's been really great. Um, I Finding an editor is really hard. I've gone through a ton of people in the past and you find guys that you like and you find people that you don't agree with how they edit. And that's a really hard conversation to have too, is telling people that the couple hours of work that they just put in wasn't up to standard or wasn't something that you enjoyed. And that's a conversation that's super uncomfortable and awkward to have. But when you're in like my business or just in any business, you you're looking out for yourself. You want things held to your standard. And if it's not there, you shouldn't bend the knee just because someone like did put in that effort. If it's not right, it's not right. I, luckily for me, this guy that I have now, he's been great and w- we have a good relationship, which is nice. Oh, that's fantastic. And really, uh, the moral of the story here is if you want to be involved, it's just reach out to the person. You never know. Yes. You never know. I, uh, and, uh, that, that's that's really cool um I, I had a feeling i mean everyone i understand these you know if you're a major thing on youtube you need to have a video editor just because it just makes more sense you can you can continue to make more content and really it's just an investment in your brand uh to do that um and obviously if you're a video editor there's whew, there's a lot of work out there oh uh, i mean like just my <laughs> my friends alone that i know like every day they'll be like man i wish i didn't have to edit today like i wish i could find an editor sometimes finding an editor stuff because like our only avenues really are like through twitter or through our youtube channel and saying something but even then if that person doesn't see it that that one day or that one tweet you don't find them so if you're an editor reach out to people the worst thing that could happen is they don't answer you yeah exactly oh man um but all right man i have i I know you've got a uh you've got a thing later today i don't want to keep you any longer except i have one last question i ask this to everybody uh, just because i feel like it's a good representation of you and, and just kind of i don't know what what would you say mark is your mantra right i remember i went through this in college i came up with my five mantras which of course is very ambitious and i'm not asking for five from you just just one that you would say that you carry with yourself Whew, that's a good question um i don't think i like have any particular thing that i like I'm constantly thinking about, but just based on my experiences. And I mean, you saw like made a business for myself before even the YouTube channel, I've been very focused on like, I want to do something that I enjoy. I want to do, I want to be my own boss. I want to be in control, take control of your own life. You have the opportunity to, there's so many different ways. I mean, you started picture list. I've got the YouTube channel. Like you have so many opportunities to try and make something for yourself where maybe if you're not happy at your job right now, or you don't have a job yet and you want to start something There's so many different avenues that you can attack. Go into it. Go hard on it. Give it a shot. The worst thing that can happen, honestly, is that you didn't attempt it. Like, what's what's gonna happen if you upload a YouTube video and it doesn't do well? 
you maybe spent those couple hours, but if you're trying to, you know, maybe further your job or further like the thing that you want to do, or you want to do something that you love, you got to try it. You can't just keep sitting back and thinking on it because there's plenty of days that I didn't upload a video that I wanted to. And then the one day I did, I was like, I I was so happy I did. And that's one of the reasons why I'm able to do what I've done now. Nice. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect at first. Oh my God. I still make so many mistakes. Uh, you just got to keep putting it out there. Absolutely. I, I love that mentality. And uh, there's also this, uh, this thought of, um, I've got this a lot with Twitter is that people say, Oh, I need to, I need to do better on Twitter, all this stuff. And you know, there's a feeling of like, there's an event going on that you have to have a voice in it. You have to be yes. a part of it. No one on Twitter is going to say, you know what? Nick hasn't said anything about this, you know? Yeah. They're not going to notice that you didn't do anything. If you're not going to, you don't have to do that. You know, that's not the, uh, it's, it's not exactly it. So it's, don't worry about like the perception of people. If you put out a a video and no one sees it, like who cares? It it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, keep throwing it out of the wall. Keep that, that energy because that innately, that energy and passion that you have to do the thing already puts you ahead of so many others and you, you just have to allow yourself to channel it and and let it out so yeah i like that a lot i'll find i'll find a good three or four word phrase yeah. to some i mean you, you want to do the uh, the nike just do it uh is really what you want but basically uh, yeah the worst thing that you can do is not give it a shot in my yeah. opinion like just sitting there and being like frozen by your own like anxiety or whatever like just go for it do it and try and make it happen why not you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott, Scott, and Giraffe Neck Mark. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And before you go, one last time, tell everybody what you're doing. Yeah, uh, just talk about baseball every single day, whether it's through a video game or my YouTube channel or Twitter or TikTok, anything. You will be able to find me at Giraffe Neck Mark, and that's Mark with a C because that's the only way to spell it. Um, yeah, if you like baseball, you like opinions, you like hot takes, I'm definitely your guy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Mark. Uh, as always, Nick Pollock and Friends is back every other Wednesday, so looking forward to that next episode. My name is Nick Pollock, and that was my friend Mark Luino.